Welcome to the ADL Reimagined Mobility Podcast Series. I'm excited to speak today with Mary Joyce. Mary is at UL. And Mary, before we jump in and reimagine mobility here with what you guys are doing and with your expertise and the different places you have oversight on, give us a little bit of background where you're coming from, your experience, what you're doing today, what's your responsibility as a UL. And then after that short intro, let's jump into things. Okay, well, thank you very much, Stefan, for having me on this series. Um, I'm, I feel very honored. Uh, my background is primarily automotive. So I worked um, at uh, Chrysler, when it was actually Chrysler, and then Fiat, then Daimler Chrysler. And then I actually worked for them when they were um, Fiat Chrysler. Also, um, about a decade and a half of um, business ownership in the, um, the cloud area. Uh, web applications, and um, and then I went into tick and spent some time at SGS, and then was recruited by their competitor, their um, UL Solutions, and I run the what we call the Mobility and Critical Systems Division of UL Solutions. Okay, very good. So. As we see all these activities going on in the market <clears throat> with the mega trends, I would say electrification, right? Broadly spoken, the other one is connectivity. And then maybe the third one, certainly not a maybe, but a very big one as well as ADAS, right? Out of all those areas, where do you guys see the biggest demand for the solutions that you at UL provide? And, and, and why is that currently? Is it regulatory driven? Is it product differentiation driven from your customers? Is it regionally unique? Give, give us a, probably quite a bit of a larger overview on some of those dynamics in the market, right? Yeah, so it's it's kind of an interesting situation, especially here where we're in the United States. It's a self-certified nation. So UL had historically um, been almost the guard to the United States, right? So you had to get your UL stamp um, if you wanted to sell the um your products in the united states anything from light jackets to to um uh, christmas lights well you know he had to get a ul stamp um but in automotive that was di different there isn't that demand driver in the united states now of course there's type approval um regulations in in europe and the rest of the world and in china special regulations also but ul has historically always been somewhat of a physical testing company like the rest of TIC. So TIC stands for testing, inspection, and certification. But things are changing. And you mentioned some of the big drivers on that change. Things are getting more complex. And in order to release, release safe products, these complex new safe products, um, there is a lot more focus on functional safety as well as physical safety. So I like to say that no, no longer can you just put it on fire, throw it against the wall, shake it, bake it, smash it, and stick a nail in it. You now have to do all different types of functional testing because that's where a lot of the errors that could could be um, fatal uh, um, actually happen. So we work with the customers both on the left side of the V where we um, help them with things like cybersecurity and functional safety, um, process excellence, um, moving toward toward more agile methodologies and we also work with them on the right side of the v because we do have that x 100 
hundred and some years of expertise in, in fire safety, electrical safety, battery safety, and so forth. So it's almost um, typical tick is always on the right side of the V, but we are moving left. I think that's actually a, a saying. <laughs> <laughs> moving left. All right, that sounds good. So when you when you look at what you again you you highlighted safety and that's a common theme through throughout the mobility space not just passenger vehicles but anything from on the ground to the air and certainly also going to space when you look at NASA when you look at some of the things that uh, SpaceX is doing etc. What is the one thing based on your years of experience in this space that you're now looking back now that you're at UL and you're looking back that you would say man. I wish we would have done this better, or man, we should have done this better because it's a bigger step now than it could otherwise be had we changed X, Y, and Z to really get to to the mindset, to the culture of where we're now needing to be, not necessarily taking into account, again, type approvals or self-regulations or very specific tests, et cetera, just generally speaking. What do you see there when we look back a well, I can say, like from my personal experience, um, I I wish that I would have put more emphasis in process um, during the development. So I'll I'll uh, I'll date myself here um, real quick. So when I actually started at Chrysler, we were writing an assembly code on an HC sixty eight eleven chip, and so there wasn't a lot of memory on that chip. So it was a very very different world. You didn't need processes. I mean, you should have had them, but you didn't absolutely need them. And the whole, um, if you could start those processes back then when things were simple and then continue to grow them, then I think you have a lot more success now as things get um, complex. So that is where we see larger companies that have more legacy types of um, products and modules and systems. Um, they are really struggling to get those processes up to speed to become compliant with a spice with functional safety with um 21434 cybersecurity and so that 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 is probably any company starting make sure you get processes right okay and if we if we take this now right i think you alluded to it already process is the big thing but if we take that mindset now and saying if you could go out and you become the the ambassador of safety or what the automotive industry again globally has to do to get vehicles allowed to be on the road, what would you go out and 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 again be this ambassador of all to the all the OEMs and the suppliers? What what, what would you preach? Would it be hey it's processes or are there other things that you already you guys already see? that in the future we'll have to address that today might be, you know, minuscule, kind of what you said, you know, assembly code, barely any memory. I remember those days as well. And now we're today. So what do you foresee going forward? I mean, AI got to be one of those things that everybody is scratching their head and saying, how in the world am I going to test that when it's in more vehicles and not just in maybe in voice recognition or a few other things that really don't impact my quote unquote safety. But share a little bit, what do you see, again, looking out five, maybe even 10 years? I think you're going to see um, more. I mean, we're already seeing a lot of mergers and acquisitions. We're going to see more of, of that occurring in the future. The complexity that we are embarking on now is 
is um, <laughs> not akin to anything we've ever done in the, in the past. And, and so we are seeing companies understand that, realize it, and react to it by developing partnerships, developing, um, you know, doing acquisitions, doing mergers, um, coming together. And that kind of lines up with um, the the change in in how how we own our software, right? So we're seeing more and more like open so source kernels or open source modules using automotive. Oh. That was unheard of in, in 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 my development days. Um, there's going to be more collaboration through open source and through actual physical type of partnerships. And again, going back, what about AI? I mean, AI, everybody's talking about AI. I think right now I would say it's fair to say we're already surrounded by AI. We just don't necessarily realize it, but what this this potential of AI, right, is is sort of the the potential that a Excel spreadsheet has. I maybe use five percent of the capabilities, but I know there's ninety five percent more that I don't even know what the thing can do for me. Other than if somebody shows me, I'm like, wow, I didn't know. I think it's similar with AI. Mary, where is AI taking us when we talk about mobility? Not not necessarily cloud, where we already use AI for data analytics. Maybe not necessarily an infotainment system that helps recognize a voice or recognize what we're trying to say, even though we're not clearly speaking it. I'm talking outside. I'm talking about uh, range calculations. I'm talking about how it's combined with level four and level five autonomy. Where do you guys see this going and the additional layer of complexity that will add to test something that essentially evolves on a consistent basis? So what do you test it against, right? So that's going to be interesting. It's we're going to be, it's a long way, Stefan, away from allowing AI in any type of um, environment that gets updated um, on a regular basis that is safety critical. So functional safety, 26262, either level five or level four. We're going to see them for things like your infotainment center, your backseat entertainment. Those updates are going to be happening a, a, a lot sooner. We will see AI used in development, though. It's just probably going to be frozen at type approval type point in time and then have to go through additional type of proofs if you do update that safety critical. Um, but eventually, we're going to get there. And I and I think the sky is the limit with AI. I, I, I like to tell people that it almost feels like the year 2000 when the internet was coming out. And there's just the opportunities at that time. That's when I started my business. The opportunities was at, at that time, after the dot-com crash, building back up were just tremendous, just absolutely tremendous. And I think we're in that space with AI. Um, we do a lot of work with um, companies that are using AI in the development of their advanced driver assist systems, whether that be three or, or, or four. And um, it's, you know, the, the way we've approached it is through process, of course. I mean, that's super important, but also um, statistical analysis. We work with companies on on uh, analysis of that that code and how it was developed and what could go right and what could go wrong. UL4600 is um, the standard for safety of autonomous products, and that has a lot of information on 
um, AI uses in, in these areas and then how the validation verification will be done on that. Uh, we saw such an interesting um, time in history, I think, right now. Um, this will be the, this is what will define the early 2020s, right? Interesting. Good. So you talk about safety, you talk about the validation of it, the type of pools, again, different countries, whatnot. Give us a little bit of an idea of where is the U.S. going to go when it comes to this? Because you kind of mentioned China has, I would say, fairly strict, as far as I know, relatively speaking, rules on what you have to do. Europe has the system of type approval, which, again, relative to the U.S., is strict and, and sometimes makes it interesting for us to tell U.S. OEMs if they want to export what you really have to do and meet in Europe, right? Where do you see the U.S. going? With all the things you're seeing and with the years now at, at UL, where is the U.S. going to be in five years? Are we still somewhere where we are today? we sort of taken an approach of, you know, in my experiences, things like we take a little bit what Europe does, but we water it down because we don't want to mandate. We still want to be self-regulated. Are we realizing, as you just said, with AI, it's going to get so complex, we need to sort of bring it back and be more, let's call it more aggressive or more involved as a regulatory body in the U.S. for such things as the mobility space where safety and lives are at stake. But where do you see it? You're the expert here. I will be interested to know what, what you see over the next five, maybe even 10 years happening there. So, so innovation is always up front, and then it's followed by the standards, and then it's followed by the regulations. And so we are seeing a world where regulations are very much lagging innovation, as we've always um, in in the automotive industry. Um, but in five, in in there is going to be a lot more conversations about moving away from self certification. But I don't think it's going to happen. There will be tons of conversations. In five years, we'll still be a self-certified nation and we'll be a little bit closer to um, having regulations. Another, so uh, our FMVSS re regulations, even though they are self-certified, they are mandatory. You can just test to them your, your, yourself. So we're, we're seeing a ton of work by the in the government for, um, to create new FMVSS codes for some of the more advanced features. And so we'll be in five years, we'll just be further along. We won't be there though. <laughs> Interesting. And, and and staying with that theme for a moment, which country, if you could share, has the most stringent regulations as it relates to, let's pick one, EV vehicles or or ADAS, you pick, whatever. I'd just be interested to see which one has the most stringent and then the opposite is which one has the most, can we call it lenient? I think it's probably appropriate. Here you go. Uh, I think, I think almost everyone would agree that Germany and Europe have the, have the most stringent, um, regulations and, and, and mandates, um, about the whole ecosystem too, right? Um, you know, about energy, uh, about, um, your advanced driver sy systems in general, um, they're the most stringent. They're even more, way more stringent than us on getting driver's license. <laughs> so, so, um. They, they, they will be, they will be cautious. Um, you know, China and, and U.S. are running fast and furious. Um, you know, Japan and South Korea, they'll, they'll, 
they'll be a little bit less strict than than Germany, but um, still stay in that kind of mindset. Um, but the U.S. and China, fast and furious. China will make some of their own regulations uh, yeah. last to. Uh, when when you look at technologies, mobility, we're staying with mobility. I know UL does a lot of other things in other industries, but let's stay mobility that, that you're leading. What's the most difficult thing for you guys to test or to certify? Is it and give an example, is is it is it battery and you know a nail penetration that when they say no, this has been tested, nail permutation will not do anything? Is it, uh, is it uh, again, more and more advanced ADAS level two plus three, maybe four features that depend so oftentimes on, on a use case or a certain environment the vehicle is in? Is it uh, infotainment systems that are supposed to do certain things that are sometimes complex to even figure out what they're supposed to do? Maybe interested for you, what is the most challenging thing, device, feature, function, you guys have to test right now? So I think if, I, I think if you ask the average person, they would say the battery, right? Because the, the large format lithium ion batteries, um, they can be very dangerous. And, and you, you see constantly in the news, a tick, a tick laboratory, um, goes up in, in flames. You know, there's, there's, it's expensive to get all the safety in there and it's, it's, um, and difficult um, testing, but I disagree. I think the system of systems is the most difficult to test. And so the largest, the, the area that I have to hire the smartest people <laughs> is in the areas of these advanced driver assist systems where these newer technologies, because you're bringing in a car and you're bringing, you know, all of the pieces of car, you, it's a system of systems that have to all work together. And so I think that's the most um, uh, difficult. Now, I'll use one example. I have a, a, a typical advanced driver assist. I drive a Honda CRV, and you know, I can I can get the the lidar to detect the, if I stop too fast and the front end goes down, they'll start saying. Brake, you know, turn on my emergency braking system, which I'm already braking. But, but it, it, it's, it's, it's those things that that make the system of systems. Yes, the software's can be so hard to to verify and 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 validate and test to. But when you put it all together, it can be something that's totally unrelated. That's a different part of the vehicle that is making a difference. Suspension is 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 kind of example I used. So really, I think what you're saying is instead of when companies come to you and say certified as radar or certified as EDAS, you have to say system or functionality, you're faced with the challenge that in a, in a vacuum, this thing may work properly 99.9% .9 of the time, but now you put it into this ever more complex system called vehicle, passenger car, for example, it becomes so much more challenging because all the interaction and again the system of systems. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, the and the complexity is only becoming greater, right? We're we're losing some complexity because when we get mature as an industry, um, the the concept of electric propulsion makes the car simpler. 
I mean, just by pure amount of parts and components that, that are used. So we are lowering, we're not at the technical level we were with ICE engines yet, but we, we're, we're lowering the complexity in, in the propulsion area where we are significantly increasing complexity with the connectivity and, and advanced driver systems. Okay, okay. So, and maybe two more questions. One, so let's take that a step further then, right? Some people have talked about, which I still frankly struggle a little bit, to truly understand that, how yeah. this would work other than for auxiliary functions. When they talk about, ah, uh, you know, we're, we're gonna go to central compute platforms and a lot of the calculations that we need to drive this car, we're gonna throw up in the cloud. I still have not experienced in this country cell connectivity that's really without any trouble. So I don't know how far out that is, but now we're talking a system of system of systems, maybe. Is this what we're sort of looking forward to in your mind? And are you guys preparing yourself on how you would certify this or is this too far-fetched? It's interesting because it's it's almost a debate going on. So there is so much benefit and need for centralized computers. You, um, the 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 data and the and the execution is just mind-boggling, larger than it used to be. Um, but then there's this this train of thought. Man, there's one problem in one area of that, and that is a really really expensive warranty item. And so there's a lot of debate going on. Is it you know is it better to just replace you know a a domain controller or just a lidar, or is it better to have it all cent centralized? Um, so, and I think that debate's going to go on for a while. And I think only the school of hard knocks is going to tell us what is the eventual um, outcome in 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 the future. So, yes, we get a lot of discussions. We're helping clients a lot with um, uh, the AutoSAR, adaptive AutoSAR, centralized computing, that 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 type of stuff. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And the yeah, last question, you mentioned right now you're driving a Honda, but the final question here always is, what's going to be the next car you buy and why? So this, and that in itself, I mean, you're you're probably watching all the news now with pullbacks on the EVs and concerns about cost and so forth. Lots of, I'd say in the last month, it, it almost sounds like the media's calling an EV bubble, right? Um, which is not. It's just going to grow slower. For two-car families, I think, one person will buy an EV. I agree with you, especially in this country. I agree with you. Yes, yes. So, but right, I sure. don't think we're going to get it until range anxiety is fixed. We're not yeah. going to get. And yes, my next car will be an EV. Your next car will be yeah. an EV. Well, happy ending. There you go. There you go. All right. That sounds good. Okay. Thank you, Mary. Very interesting. I mean, it's interesting to see what you guys are doing. And certainly interesting to see the challenges you guys are faced with. And I think your, your comment about the system of systems being the most challenging thing uh, is very much true. And it's only going to get whatever, more complex, worse, whatever the right adjective here is. But it also going to get more excited as, as you earlier shared. So thank you so much for your perspective. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Stefan.